0: You're listening to the Kingdom Mentor Podcast. It's a division of Vikings Media. This podcast is all about you and your voice, your true identity in the vine. Learn how to get unstuck from the issues that bind you so you can be the real you. So invite a friend and let's get together over a cup of coffee and let's discover our voice, share our voice, and maybe even market your voice. You know, life can be real messy. Like right now, my washer just made all this noise. I hear the car noise outside, but it will not stop me from talking about your voice. A message of hopefully transformation, a message of testimonies that means do it again, God. I am so excited to share this free voice camp I had this week with an author, a minister, a powerful woman of God, Linda Riddle. Now, if you know me, I'd love to help you find your voice amidst getting over the drama, the trauma, winning the shame game. I do this by diving deep in the Kingdom Mentor Academy with the Redeemer Voice Camp. So that's why I so want to share this with you, not just with the Voice Camp, but I believe Linda has a message of testimony from the drama, the trauma that you need right now. So listen in as you join our Voice Camp and we get to learn the truth that you can get past the trauma. Listen in to our guest, Linda Riddle. Part of the um, restore process has to do with overcoming the drama, the trauma, the shame game, the orphan spirit. So I am so excited to introduce you to you. Please help me welcome... Uh, Linda Riddle. Hey, Linda.
1: Come on. Hey. In. Well, hello. How are you, Teresa? Hi, everybody. Linda, so glad to be joining you guys. Well, we got a couple members. You guys can come on in if you want. You
0: know where the link, look in your email and you can find your link. Anyone else watching, we're just so glad to have you here. So what do I talk about? First, I want Linda to introduce you to, to yourself. And she's just, let me, I could do a real read the, read the, the introduction, but I want to hear, uh, you hear her voice because I believe there's a the word uh, testimony. It means do it again, God. And I believe Linda's got some stories, uh, testimonies, excuse me, that are going
1: to do it again for you. But first, Linda, welcome and Hey, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, great. Well, I'm originally from Texas. We live now in North Carolina, um, right outside of Raleigh in a little town called Wake Forest. Um, I've been in ministry for several years now. I love helping people. I love serving the body of Christ. But, you know, my background really comes from a lot of trauma, Teresa. I mean, and this is specifically what you are talking to your guests about. And, you know, I grew up in um, just I would probably call it just a very religious home. We went to church every single week. Um, But our family was just very broken. We were in a very hurt place. And because of that, I grew up with just a lot of, there was a lot of abuse in the family. There was a lot of just, you know, misuse of power, misuse of authority. And so much of the abuse that I went through, it started from the time that I was five all the way to when I was 17 years old. And it wasn't until, oh, it was horrible. Now you have something very unusual. You got to tell us your, your parents were. Yes. My parents, I was actually born to two parents who were totally and completely blind. Like they could not see anything at all. Yeah. So from a very young age, I was born right into an environment where I was relied upon. I mean, I was, I was my family's seen eye guide. Right. And so from a very, very young age, I had to learn how to grow up very quickly. Wow. So there was a lot of that kind of stress that that put on me as a child. I didn't have a normal childhood like most people have. Um, oh, say I not. <laughs> with, yeah, yeah, I grew up with a lot of responsibilities that most other kids my age just did not have, you know, so you have that combined with. The fact that my father, my biological father was an alcoholic. He was Mm -hmm. very abusive um, of my mother just in dealing with his own pain in the best way that he could. That's that's unfortunately what he reached for. And so our home was just very unstable. It was very unpredictable Mm -hmm. and it was traumatic. I mean, right from the beginning. I mean, I still remember that even as a toddler and. Yeah, so I I kind of went through that, you know, and then the abuse started when my mother uh, remarried. She divorced my real dad um, just to try to get us out of that environment as quickly as as we could, and she remarried, and then my stepfather um, and also several other men in my life were just took on that kind of same abusive nature, and um, it just it carried on. You know, we were we were in an environment where. Unfortunately, because we were so disconnected, you know, and because my my parents were blind, we were we were just kind of isolated, you know, which was the perfect ground for for that kind of stuff to take place. So it was it was really really traumatic.
0: Well, someone looking at you is like, man, she's got she seems so peaceful. She's (laughs) how could all that happen? Yeah. Share a little bit about just like the process of that, of healing. Were you, were you, did you know Jesus during this time or how, what was the process
1: of coming away, walking away from that? Yeah. You know, I would say because I grew up, I mean, we were in church every single Sunday and I went to Christian schools my whole life. So I was always in a religious kind of environment. I was very comfortable in, in that kind of atmosphere, but I never really, gave my life to Christ. Like I never truly surrendered my life to Christ until I was 27 years old. So I went through all of that abuse. And then finally, at the age of 17, I decided, because here's the other thing, like my mom, you know, nobody knew that any of this was happening. So most of it was all kept a secret. Um, You know, there was a lot of threats, obviously, which usually in an abusive environment like that, there always is. Um, lots of threats to not say anything, to not repeat anything of what was happening behind closed doors. And finally I got to the point at the age of 17 where I'd had it. I was like, that is, that's enough. I know I'm really close to adulthood. I'll be out of here. I just, I need to just kind of clear the air and speak a little bit about, about what happened to me and and maybe, you know, let some people know. And so I confided, you know, um, First of all, in in my mom, um, just thinking, you know, not really even knowing what to expect, not even really knowing what I didn't really have an expectation at all. And um, unfortunately, you know, that did not go well. <laughs> um, just, just didn't believe me, you know, and um, there was just a lot of doubt. There was a lot of um, disbelief that any of that could have happened. Mm-hmm. And so that just really sent me in a tailspin. And my relationship with God was rocky growing up because you know, even some of the people that were hurting me were leaders in the church. I mean, one of them was a pastor in the church that I grew up with. So I had a major disconnect, you know, in in hearing what I was listening to in services on Sunday in Sunday school in the kids church, you know, and then trying to bridge that with what I was going through in my own life. It was, there was a lot of disconnects. Mm -hmm. And I just had a very, very hard time just kind of reconciling that God was who I was hearing that He was, you know, yet while all of this was happening.
0: Oh my, yeah, wow. that's a that's a that's a mouthful, that's a story and a testimony. And look at look at her, guys, is that just a picture of what God will do? Hey, yeah. Kelly, it's good to have you along. So, listen,
1: yeah.
0: when we talk about that repair process, and yes. I know you teach, I know you teach this, I know you're an ordained minister, I know that you walk in this. What is like, what do you feel like are building blocks? Because I know someone's listening right now and like, uh, except for the blind parents thing, she's talking my life. What are yeah. some building blocks that you could give them to grab their hands on to?
1: Yes, to walk away? I remember when I first started, you know, looking for help. I mean, because after, uh, after I, I kind of ripped that Band-Aid off and exposed what had happened and then it wasn't received, it was almost like I... I stumbled. I mean, I took a few steps back thinking that this was it. I was going to break forward. I was going to, I was going to speak up, you know, and I was going to break this silence and for it to not have been received the way that it was, it made me stumble. I, and I stumbled for probably about 10 years. For me, it took that, that long of a process Uh, before I discovered the freedom and the, the um, restoration that I found in God. It took a while uh, for me to finally get to the point where I could trust God, with my past, you know, and trust God that God could do something with my future. But I think for me, really, it it finally got to the point where I had to completely surrender. I would say that that was the first huge step, the first major decision that I made for years, for that entire 10 year period, I would say it was probably one of the darkest seasons of my life, because I was trying to put the pieces back together. I thought that once I moved away from that From that environment, I thought that it would just leave me. I thought all I had to do was get away from it and it would get away from me. (laughs) But that wasn't the case, you know, because I was carrying those wounds deep inside for so long. They needed healing. They needed to be addressed. Those things needed to be uncovered. I needed the restoration of God in my life. And so for 10 years, really, I struggled and I just kind of went about it my own way. I didn't want anything to do with God. I didn't want anything to do with the church. The church did not feel like a safe place to me because of what I had been through. And so I just stumbled and um, I started going to, you know, a secular counselor, um, somebody who just really did not, um, did not have any grounding in, in God or in the scriptures or anything like that. And I remember, I remember leaving one of those sessions one time, just so at a loss for hope, because I remember her telling me, guys, I still remember even the couch I was sitting on Teresa. (laughs) I mean, I remember her telling me that I, that this was just going to be a part of me for the rest of my life. And that I had to just deal with the fact that my abuse was just going to, it was going to be something that I carried with me that I had no control over. That it was as much of me as my hair was brown, that I just had to deal with it. And I just remember thinking, that's it. I- I'm broken. Like, there is no repair. There's nothing here that can happen. Like, that's that's what I was being forced to believe in that moment. Um, you're The and, lies of the enemy were just coming in. Oh, and my gosh. Was I was, I was yeah. the perfect breeding ground for it, you know? Yeah. And I... I had a moment where it was like, I'm either going to believe that or I'm not. And I was distraught and my life began to crumble. I mean, every single area of my life started to just fall apart. I was married by that point. Wonderful man who now we've been married, you know, for 20, 26, 27 years. And it's wonderful. But it's at that point, like everything started to crumble after that because I lost all hope. And I really did not think, you know, my, My language, my internal language to myself started to become, well, I could have been this or my marriage could have been great. The lies of the enemy. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, and and then finally, I just got to the point. I remember, you know, we we were nearly at the point of divorce. We were my job was suffering because I could not focus at work. Mm our finances were in crumbles. I mean, it just seemed like everything was just crumbling all around me. And I'll never forget, I was driving to work one morning, I had a great job. But I was driving to work one morning. And I lived in San Antonio, Texas at the time, because that's where I was born and raised. And I was driving down 1604 on my way to work in the morning. And it was a cold, wet, rainy day. And I had about a 30-minute commute because everything takes forever to get to in Texas because that's how it is. You just drive and you drive and you drive. But like almost every other single morning, it took those 30 minutes for me to compose myself enough so that I could get to work and try to focus. Usually, I spent the mornings crying in my car just because of the pain and because of the, you know, the hurt and because of this brokenness that I just felt. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget, I passed by this, this same church every single time on my way to work. And that morning, it was like something changed. My attention, it was it was like a magnetic pull was drawing my attention to that church. I had never been there before. I'd heard about it, but I'd never stepped foot in it. And mind you, I had already decided that I was done with anything with religion. I was done with anything with God. But that morning, it was almost like I had a knowing. I had a sense that that was going to be my last shot. And if I could just somehow get to that church that coming Sunday I just had this sense that I knew that things would work out. I had a feeling that I would find the answers that I was looking for. And it was my last ditch effort. I mean, my husband and I were literally at the point of divorce. We had already kind of separated all the belongings. I had chosen an apartment like that was my last straw. Right. And um, so that was like, you know, early in the week. So I made it somehow made it through the rest of the week to get to the weekend. And I made it to church that Sunday and I will never forget that day. It was, it was, it was a big church, you know, so it was a little overwhelming, but again, I was, I was accustomed to those kind of environments. Right. And I, I walked in and I just kind of found my seat. I went by myself because again, Stephen and I were not even on talking terms at that point. Wow. I found my seat and I just kind of waited, <laughs> waited for service to start. And I can't even tell you what song it was, but from the moment that they started singing, I didn't even know the song. The moment they started singing, it was like something shifted in the atmosphere.
0: Wow. Jesus. And
1: so I felt the presence of God in that moment. Wow. I felt, now mind you, I had been through church ever since I was a child. I'd grown up in church, in Christian schools. I'd, I'd been in these kind of environments before. But that day was something very different for mm-hmm. me. And I experienced almost like a hug, you know, like mm-hmm. I, could, I felt for the first time in my entire life, I felt safe. Wow. And I had never known safety like that because yeah. every environment for me growing up was about That's survival. Something. Yeah. Wow. You know, it, it was about it was about survival. And wow. for me to to that's how I met the Holy Spirit. That's how I met him, wow. was the safety. Yeah. And I just that was I the, the, the tears just started streaming, and I had no I, I right in that moment because I felt so safe. I didn't even care, you know. Wow. I didn't even care. But it was from that moment that that surrender process started for yeah. me. Yeah. And, and that repair and that restore and that rebuild process that you talk yeah. about from Amos, yeah. that was my life. Wow. And I had to just be willing to let go of everything that was, let go of the way that the building looked beforehand, wow. let it yeah. all fall in the safe hands of God wow. and let him kind of help me pick the pieces back up and restore it all again. Wow. It was almost like there had to be a deconstruction uh-huh before there could be a reconstruction that's, that's good and the
0: surrender was the start of it i, I never thought that exactly so yeah. so someone's listening and they're like oh this sounds great but how do i surrender
1: yeah yeah
0: how it's do i really not- surrender i mean i've got on list. they're thinking you wouldn't believe me. you got a pretty bad list but i got my list yeah
1: yeah definitely it really is just a decision and you know, I remember it's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. It That's really is right there. It is a choice. It really is. You can choose. Here's, here's to- what I know now. I know now. Now on this side, okay, of it, I know now that God has placed within every single one of us the desire to know him, the ability to know him. He's planted that within every single one of us when he formed us, when he fashioned us, when he created us. So really it's a choice of just saying yes to the prompting that is already happening in our hearts. Yeah, That's really what it is. I mean, I, I had been running from God. I can look back on that now and see how he had been pursuing me, even through all of that mess, even through, you know, being hard and even through the brokenness and my relationship, even with the church, you know, I can still see how he was trying to pursue me. And it finally got to the moment where I said, I let go, God, and and I remember right there in that church service saying, if you can do anything with this, take it.
0: That's good.
1: Take all of it. You can have it. If you can do anything with my life, if you want it, (laughs) if you even want it, you know, as messed up as I as I was, as broken as I felt like I was, it just got to the point where I said, God, help. And he did. And he responded. And you know what? I love Teresa. I tell people this now, you know, the, the healing process. Okay. And, and I felt the transformation of God take place. Amen. It was a tangible difference. I mean, it was, I, as I gave myself continuously to him, okay. I started going back to church. You know, I was in church every single week. I was starving for you know anything that i could sink my teeth into that would help me find freedom right but that transformation process was real i mean i and you know when you've gone through 27 years worth of conditioning wow. like that sure and you've gone through 27 years of hearing certain things mm-hmm. and and being told certain things and being treated a certain way when you go through 27 years of Learning how to always be on the watch, you know, always watching your back, always being alert, always trying to think 10 steps ahead of somebody else so that you don't get hurt again. I mean, there was 27 years Mm. of reconditioning that had to take place. There was 27 years of that deconstruction that had to take place in order to reconstruct. But it all started changing in that moment when I surrendered.
0: When the surrender, how do you handle the triggers uh, they come up in the midst of the process of your healing. Because I know you're yes. gonna be it's so easy, but you could be triggered by a song, you could be triggered by a smell. Smell how did, you, yeah. how
1: did you have? Oh man. Okay, so that was part of the healing process. Um, in rebuilding what God and here's what I love about God, and here's what I love about the Holy Spirit. And I think this is why he made himself known to me first and foremost as safety. Oh, that's good. I knew that wow. I was safe in his presence. And I knew because here's the thing when you have when you have trauma like that, you know how to lock it up. <laughs> you know how to tuck it away in a compartment that is so safe. <laughs> that nobody can get to it. <laughs> you know how to do that. You yeah. learn you learn how to do that. In order for me to start the rebuilding process, I had to find a safe place where I could open up those compartments and allow the presence of God in. Okay. I think that's probably one of the main reasons Mm -hmm. that he made himself known to me first and foremost as safety. Wow. Because I there nothing could deny the feeling of safety that I had in his presence. He wasn't the Holy Spirit is not weird. (laughs) He's not. (laughs) You know, it's not like, oh, you're tapping into no. no. No, so no, it's real, not yeah. so real. Yeah, and there was moments in my alone time with him where it got ugly, mm. and I would cry and I would scream and I would tell him how mad I was, and he was not afraid of my anger. He wasn't because trust me, there was a lot of anger in there. Sure, sure. He was not. He was not turned off by my rawness. He was not turned off by my graphicness. He was not turned off by the the tenderness and the vulnerability, and the it, it was almost like you were picking up a puppy, you know, that had been bruised and abused, and he was able to handle all of that.
0: That's so good.
1: And through the revelation, through through his presence, right. Here's the one thing I know about God, he never went faster.
0: Oh, that's a good word.
1: Then I felt like I could go you know, to, to where I felt like, okay, no, I can't handle that. He never went faster than I felt like I could handle. And he never went slower to the point that would cause me to be frustrated.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: He knew exactly. He was the great physician. Yeah. He was a wonderful comforter and he still is today.
0: Yes. Through,
1: that is, that is how I got to know him. That's how I got to know all of the various attributes of who he is. Yeah. And still learning, still learning about him sure. today. Yeah, but I would take those triggers to God. OK, you no. Know? And, and I would recognize like, man, I felt so good this morning. What happened? Right. Why yeah. am I all of a sudden feeling mad again? Why do I feel irritated? Why do it was almost like when he came in and he renewed me and I, I surrendered my life to him. He made me new on the inside. It was almost like I was that much more sensitive to the triggers. It was so like sure. I could tell when something went off, it was like, wait a minute. Wow. You were doing good this morning. Where yeah. did this go wrong? And so I would pause and I would take those things to him. Mm. Like, what happened? Why did this bother me? So good. What did that remind me of? Right. You know, and, and it finally got to the point. I can honestly tell you, okay, that, that whole process started when I was 27. I'm now 46. So it's been like, okay. 20 years, okay. okay. I I like to say it this way. Right here on my right hand I have a scar. Okay? From when I was a kid and I was playing out in my backyard in Texas and I had a dog who we kept on a like a chain kind of leash kind of thing. And I'll never forget when I was playing with that dog one day took off running and the the chain cut my hand open. And that was probably one of the worst cuts that I've ever experienced in my entire life. And for a while the mobility of my hand was affected. I had to keep my hand, you know, that there was like a bunch of gauze. There was a whole bunch of like my hand had to be kept in in certain order so that it could heal properly. And it took a long time for that to happen. And even thereafter, you know, years to come, even there were moments where if the weather changed, I could feel the pain.
0: Yeah, you know, or there
1: were moments that if I stretched my hand too far, ooh, I could I could feel. So that. that's physical trauma. Yes. How to me now and now look. Yeah, it has no effect on me whatsoever. Can I share something that
0: Please I, do. I uh, understand emotional trauma, yada yada. It you know like, but I got an experience of physical trauma this year. January, I was running down the stairs to give my painter husband. Mop yeah. and halfway through, I landed head first. Oh, and you know, it was like, Oh, crud! You know, my, my son felt it, and then I felt it. But uh, the, all I can tell you is, physically, things happened to me. Yeah. Uh, I realized from a great uh, vocal coach, Grace Morrison, that trauma can affect your voice. All of a sudden, my voice got real, I mean, it's not that it's point where it was, it was just real flashy. And she's like, Tracy, you can hold trauma in your voice. Um, well, I've gone through some other trauma, and it has affected my body. Now, I know the trauma. I know the worry. I mean, I, I know how that can hit your body. I have a history Absolutely. of that. Now it's gone. Yeah. So I, I guess my question, and can I add something to you? You said, yeah. surrender. you just describe what I teach about. I call it the FRP process. Mm-hmm. If I can, you focus on what is it that just, just hits you wrong. It might be a trigger. And it might be an email. Um, yeah. There's something about grabbing it, staying present, because if we yeah. hide it where it's a fertile soil for fear, grab it, bring it to the R, it's reality. When yeah. this sucks, excuse me, it offends you. Yes. Then the P, FRP, you bring a promise to God, you bring a presence yes. to God. And I have seen that you can, you can do that in the morning with your time with the Lord, but I can go throughout the day. And boom, oh, that really hurts. Yeah. And it, it doesn't necessarily, I mean, I got to be real about it. And the promises of God, well, they bring his presence. In his presence, his fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures for more. So then I'm like, okay, the promise. And then I go on. But that's a process of walking out your identity. Wait a minute, who am I? Yeah. So let me ask you this question. Yep. Obviously, you have grown in your identity. How important is knowing your identity to the ability of your voice? I don't just mean your physical voice, your voice in ministry, your voice could be in painting, your voice could be as a mom, mom. Yep. How has that all, how do you see that affecting that- and growing your voice, I should say? Yeah.
1: yeah, that was huge. And I think especially for me, not just because of the abuse that I had been through growing up, but. Also for me, the part that was a double whammy, as it used to say, was the fact that I grew up to to blind parents. Okay. So uh, I never was seen. Okay. So now, I mean, I'm the mother of two. I have two wonderful kids. They're teenagers now. I see them and I speak to them and I call out their identity on the inside of them. And I can tell them, you know, this is what I see in you. This is what I You know, I can see that God has created you this way. There was so much there. So I feel like, and because honestly, because of the environment that I grew up in, most of my life wasn't about me. Like I, I grew up as a help, you know, to, to other people, right? So I didn't, I didn't really know anything about myself, you know, until I became an adult and I had to start seeking that out. On top of that, you know, because of the the schools that I went to, I mean, it even came down to I didn't even know what I like to dress like, you know, because I went to Christian schools my whole life. We <laughs> uniforms, uniforms. I, I just I didn't have a clue, you know, oh, I, didn't, I didn't have a clue as, of any yeah. of that. Yeah. And finally, it got to the point where I started disassociating, you know, with with the painful me. And realizing that that was something that happened to me, but it wasn't who I was. And I started discovering who God had created me to be. That was that was a long drawn out process and trying to find, okay, God, like, what did you create me to do? What am I not just like, what do I do? What am I good at? What do I enjoy? Who did you who did you have in mind when you fashioned me? Who did who was Linda. You know, not just born to serve as a CNI guide to blind parents or to, you know, to help other people all the time, but mm-hmm. who was Linda, mm-hmm. you know, so cool. and I had to be okay with, with figuring that out. And in order for me to discover that, mm-hmm. I first had to detangle myself from everything and everybody else which meant that I had to forgive the people that had hurt me. I had to cut them away, you know? And a weird like I kind of look at forgiveness and whenever we are hurt deeply like that, until we forgive, it's almost as if people that hurt us are tethered to us. That's the way that I see it, you know, in my mind, eye. Sure. Yeah. I see it almost as if there are ropes of connection there that yeah. keep us connected. With- it's
0: almost soul connections, right? It is.
1: There's soul yeah. connections. There's pain connections. It's yeah. all the mind is is tethered, you know, because you're learning how to adapt and how to adjust to people that have hurt you. Your yeah. emotions are tethered, yeah. you know, because you're deeply hurt. So there's been there's been an offense there. There's a cost there. There's a debt yeah. there. Yeah. you know, will, I mean, you're, you're all of that, you know, you're, oh, you're yeah. entangled, you're entangled. Yeah. And that's why I love that, that whole passage in Matthew, you know, where Jesus was talking to his disciples about forgiveness. And he said, you know, you've got to forgive and release the person, you know, that, that would you that debt. Yeah. And eventually I just, I had to, I realized that in order for Linda to find who Linda was, I had to let go yeah, the people that wow, it's huge and that was the only way that I was going to discover and
0: that's the only one you could take responsible for was yourself. You can't take responsible and tell me you can forgive someone, but that doesn't mean you have to go around them anymore. To no. prove your you can yeah. forgive them. And this is something um, that I'm learning uh, as I forgive um, some family members. Mm-hmm. I forgive them, but what do I do with the impact though which is what do i do with the trauma that they've caused right and i always believe when you go through process process is all about your relationship with god so how am i going to process that now i'm a writer i'm a journaler so it may be just one bible verse and i'm processing over that but what are some tools of processing of forgiveness and what are tools would you suggest
1: through the forgiveness process, I mean, and you know, you you asked me earlier, like, what were some of the major, what were some of the major keys that helped me in the yeah, rebuilding?
0: Right.
1: So obviously, you know, um, surrendering my life to Christ was mm-hmm. the first major decision. I mean, I there would have been no healing without that. But then, secondly, it was the it was choosing choosing to forgive. And when you choose to forgive, it's almost like you have to let go. Let go of the let go of the picture that you thought you had in mind of how it should have been and that was a, you said journaling I still remember journaling through my pages you know and it was it took a lot of pages for me to forgive the people that I had to forgive because there was a lot of them and let me say this there was only one okay yeah. I, if we talk about the abuse, you know, there, I was abused at the hands of five different men growing Ooh, up family so yeah. members. Mm. None of them. I, I got an apology from one. So choosing to forgive, even when somebody hasn't said they're sorry, that's a whole nother level. <laughs> that's a whole nother level of forgiveness. Another level. Wow. You know, yeah. but it was, yeah. it was choosing to say, you know what, God, I believe that you see my end from my beginning. I believe that you know what was done to me. Not that I'm wanting vengeance. Not that I'm wanting payback. You you let go of that. You let any time that somebody hurts you. There is, it's almost like you have to see it as a debt. Okay. If I went and harmed something on my neighbor's property, I now owe them for whatever it is that I damaged. We have to look at that emotionally as it pertains to our soul, as it pertains to what is done to us physically, what is done to us emotionally. When we are wronged like that, it's almost like there's a debt that, gets, that hangs in the air, so to speak, between us and that person. Forgiveness, you let go of the debts. You let go of anybody owing you anything you let go of trying to see something out the way that you should have, the the way that you thought it should have ended, you know, and that doesn't mean necessarily there are times where, you know, we have to pursue legal action, especially if you start dealing, you know, with some very serious circumstances. I'm not saying that Okay, sometimes that is necessary for me, that's not the case. And it wasn't what I was directed in, but forgiveness is just choosing to say, you know what, God, I'm, I'm not going to be the judge here. I'm not going to be the one that tries to see, tries to get even that tries to get payback. I'm going to leave that all at so, your feet. I'm letting go of it all. Yeah. And I'm letting go of of them and what they did to me. Wow. And, that's so good. You know, you're absolutely right. A lot of times, you know, those, those relationships, they don't get mended to the point where you start doing life again together. <laughs> you know? So,
0: sadly enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I
1: mean, that's that's the way it's been for me, unfortunately.
0: You I'm know. trying to think of, you know, as we've gone through this in the Regina Voice Camp in different phases, I think uh, the hardest thing is when we take that on the inside and we start becoming responsible for and we start taking on responsibility. I love that Danny Lee Silk phrase. On a good day, I do well to manage me. So that's part of, you know... Um, for some that might be i mean it's okay take it moment by moment right absolutely so the yeah. starting point is really uh, entering into the presence of god so i want you to look into the camera your camera i'm waiting if anyone wants to have questions but they're all being shy um if you have a question don't don't no it's okay but um look into the camera i think there's someone live or recorded that mm-hmm. needs to hear a voice of hope because your voice is beautiful And see a voice of hope. Would you, whatever the Holy Spirit tells you, would you speak to that person that I really think needs to hear?
1: Yeah, I I envision somebody that um, specifically, I don't know why, I I don't know who this is for, but I see somebody and you live near a body of water. Um, I don't know why that's standing out to me specifically right now, but Teresa, as you started saying that, that's just what I started envisioning. And, you know, I remember When I first um, really wanted to deal with the pain and the abuse of my past, the very first place that I went was the internet. Because I wanted to see, before I ever said anything to anybody, remember so much of what I went through was secret. So much of what I went through had major, major ropes of shame wrapped around it. So much of what I went through, just it, it, you just, you didn't talk about that kind of thing around family. You didn't talk about that kind of thing because of the nature of, of the abuse. And I remember going to the internet and I just wanted to find somebody. I wanted to find a single story, if I could find one, of somebody who had gone through anything remotely similar to anything that I had gone through. And I just needed to know. That somebody had made it safely to the other side. And I remember searching high and low. And let me and let me say this: made it to the other side and wasn't weird. <laughs> if I could add that qualifier. For sure. good. <laughs> Stay in the Bible, you won't be weird. Exactly. You know, I just I needed something. I needed I needed somebody to show me that I could actually do something with my life that I could live out the hopes and dreams that I felt like I had the potential to. Um, I just needed to know that there was somebody out there. And I struggled to find that. Um, I really wasn't exposed to a lot of a lot of the leaders and a lot of the stories that I'm able to know now. Um, but I remember telling myself that if I ever made it to the other side that I would do everything I could to get back on the internet,
0: That is so cool.
1: And to share my story Mm. on the internet because I wanted to find the person who just wanted to see that there was hope, that things could be different, that my mind and my thought process could be different, that I didn't have to have nightmares in the middle of the night, that I didn't have to wake up in sweats, that I didn't have to watch over my shoulder and guard every single move that I ever made. And friend, I just want you to know from me living here in Wake Forest, right outside of Raleigh, North Carolina, I can tell you, all you have to do is take the first step. God is right there waiting for you. He sees everything that happened to you. He didn't cause it to happen, but he has made a way for you already so that you can find freedom, so that you can find strength. And so that you can rise above the circumstances of everything and all the pain that you went through. And he is right there waiting, just like he was for me that day when I walked into that church. And I'll tell you right now, you don't even have to wait to step into a church. You can do it right now from wherever you are. All you have to do is just say, it can be as simple as that. And Mm -hmm. God will meet you right where you are. He's not going to force his way into your life. Mm-hmm. He's not going to force himself. We, we usually fight that our entire lives. And we go through so much where people are forcing themselves. He's not like that. All he's waiting for you to do is invite him in, open mm-hmm. the door and he yeah. will start to help you rebuild, restore, and he will renew your life and make it yeah. better. Than you have ever so
0: I hope as you listen to that, that you got true Uh, How about this? Not just the information to get over the trauma, but words that hit you in your spirit and realize, hey, if I start with one place and I surrender, I'm on the journey of truly getting over the drama, the trauma. I hope this blessed you. I hope this gave you keys that you could actually apply as Linda shared so powerfully. You know, it's the heart of the Kingdom Mentor Academy with the Redeem Your Voice Camp. I get to hear testimonies, not just Linda's, but of members getting over that trauma. And I'd love you to be one of those testimonies. So if that's something that interests you, you want to learn a little bit more, may I invite you to an identity blueprint call. It's just we sit down, we talk, I ask you a few questions, give you a breakthrough platform, a breakthrough key maybe of rest to run so you can have the freedom from your trauma. I'd love to invite you. Check out ikingsmedia.com forward slash blueprint, ikingsmedia.com forward slash blueprint forward slash blueprints an off offering that where I just want to get real with you and maybe offer you some keys right now that you can implement. So I so appreciate you listening. Hey, if this is really powerful for you, DM me and tell me how it affects you. Teresa Croft on Instagram or share it with a friend who you know who's struggling. Better yet, I always love when you review. Much thanks to Linda Riddle. You can find her at Linda G. Riddle on Instagram. All right, you know the saying, say no to striving and yes to abiding so you can live in the sweet spot of your divine destiny you've been listening to the kingdom mentor podcast available on iTunes and other favorite platforms. Hey, for more information and free resources to help you find your voice, market your voice, check out ikingsmedia.com. I so appreciate you listening. Would you do me a huge favor and subscribe and write a review? This helps me share hope and life to many more voices. Thank you again. And hey, share this episode with a friend.